Hey, let's talk about economics, or rather, herconomics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Herconomics, or welcome if this is your first time listening. My name is Kat Hercules, and I am your host. Today, we are talking about a great macroeconomics topic. It is trade. I know you might be thinking about what you perceive as trade, but we're going to talk about um, some nuances of it, some economic impacts, and things like that. So let's go ahead and get started. The first essential concept about trade is that the act of free trade creates value. Let me explain. Imagine you are sitting in a room with 11 other people. So in total, there's 12 of you. You and every person in the room is handed a donut, and each donut is different. There's a box of a dozen, each one's different, and everyone is handed a different donut. You are personally handed out a strawberry sprinkle donut. And let's say the person next to you has a glazed donut. Pretend I'm also in that room with you and I'm leading this exercise. I tell you all that you, if you wish to, can trade donuts with each other. But like I said, only if you want to. Now, you might approach this situation in the following way. Do I see more value in this strawberry sprinkled donut or do I value the person next to me's glazed donut more? But then you see that someone across the room has a chocolate long john. Do you want that donut more? In this scenario, you and every person in the room will have to assess which donut you want the most and then trade accordingly. So let's assume your favorite donut is a vanilla frosted cake donut. You're going to go around the room to find out if someone has a vanilla frosted cake donut, so you can try to trade your strawberry sprinkle donut. And then there are three options that might unfold. First one is that no one has a vanilla frosted cake donut. The second one is that the person with the vanilla frosted cake donut doesn't want to trade for your strawberry frosted donut. Or the last situation that might happen is that someone does have the vanilla frosted cake donut and is willing to trade. Let's talk about that first option. If no one has your favorite donut, you have to decide how much value your current donut has. Is it your second favorite donut? Is there a different donut you would rather have? If you value your strawberry sprinkled donut more than any other donut out of the dozen, you're going to keep your original donut. You find no need to trade it for a lower-valued alternative. The second option might be that the person with the vanilla frosted cake donut does not want to trade it for your strawberry sprinkle donut, whether it be because they do not like strawberry sprinkle donuts or because they just value theirs more. To that person, they would be voluntarily trading their donut for one of lesser value if they did decide to trade with you. And people engaging in free trade do not voluntarily trade for something that they don't value as much as the item that they currently have. So in this scenario, if someone would rather keep their donut than trade it for yours, they're not going to trade it all because they're not going to find value in your donut as much as they have value in their own. 
Now, at worst, in both of these scenarios, you didn't trade with anybody and the value of your donut remained the same. You didn't gain any more value because you didn't get the donut that you actually wanted, but you also didn't lose any value because that donut that you have still has some sort of value and you didn't trade it for something that you wanted less than the strawberry sprinkled donut. So for example, if your least favorite donut was a jelly filled, you wouldn't trade that strawberry sprinkle for a jelly filled because then you would have a donut that was of less value than the one you originally had and you would not do that. The last situation that may occur is that you find a person that has the vanilla frosted cake donut and they want to trade it for your strawberry sprinkle donut. Maybe it's because they value the donut that you were given more than the donut they were given or whatnot, but they want your donut and you want theirs. You freely trade and now you both believe that you are better off and you are therefore increasing the value of your donut. So say now you're looking at two donuts, the strawberry sprinkle and the vanilla frosted cake donut. You know that in your, to you, you know that that vanilla frosted cake donut has more value than that strawberry sprinkle donut. The key idea to understand is that when individuals engage in voluntary exchange, both parties are made better off. This is how trade creates value. By channeling goods and resources to those who value them the most, the wealth created by a society's resources is increased. Value is created even if nothing new is being produced. Trade is also essential for specialization. Specialization is just when the production of goods is focused on a specific area or product. For example, a company that only produces cars is a type of specialization. You wouldn't exactly expect Ford to start selling cake mix or tennis shoes. Without trade, people would have to solely produce things used for survival, such as food and shelter. People are also able to use trade to expand their output through the division of labor, which is kind of like an assembly line. In order to effectively produce products so you can expand output through trade, it is essential to follow the law of comparative advantage. The law of comparative advantage states that the total output of a group of individuals, an entire economy, or a group of nations will be greatest when each good is produced by whoever has the lowest opportunity cost. Let's define opportunity cost. The opportunity cost is the highest valued alternative that must be sacrificed when choosing an option. Since you can only spend resources doing one thing, you must sacrifice spending resources, such as time or money, on something else. A great example of comparative advantage is Lewis Hamilton. If you have never heard of him, he is statistically, unequivocally, the best Formula One race car driver. Now, even though he is probably the best driver in the world, he should not be his own personal driver. This is because the time he would spend driving himself places could have been spent on high opportunity costs instead, such as interviews or conference calls. So whoever does specialize in being Lewis Hamilton's driver should have a lower opportunity cost of being a driver for Lewis Hamilton than Lewis Hamilton himself. Even though he would be the best at driving himself around, he would be losing out on other opportunities. And this is the difference between comparative advantage and absolute advantage. 
Absolute advantage means that you are the best at producing something, while comparative advantage means that you can produce something but with a low opportunity cost. You can have both the comparative and absolute advantage, but that's not always the case. In order to maximize trade, you should specialize in your comparative advantage and trade for other goods. Well, that is it for this episode about trade. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this special midweek post. I know I usually post on Mondays and today's a Wednesday, but you know, it's a hard transition into the new school year. You can connect with me on Instagram at Herconomics Podcast or on Twitter at Herconomics Pod. Um, please let me know if you have any questions about this episode, a different episode, or just any economic concept in general. Um, the topic for next week is also going to be a surprise. I will be uploading on Monday, so look out for that. And thank you for listening to me talk about economics the Herconomics way. <laughs>